0: hey good news everyone as of today i just saw a report that justin trudeau has ended the so-called state of emergency so this episode is going to talk a lot about canada and about all of that everything that's been going on up there but there is a positive development and that is that this ridiculous state of emergency is officially come to a close so the tyrants seem to be losing Enjoy the show. It is necessary for all of us to develop or reclaim the ability to discern for ourselves what we believe to be true, rather than accept repeated opinions and statements, parrot what equates to dogma, because we have all been so thoroughly brainwashed our entire lives through what we collectively have come to call the media. First through print, newspapers, magazines, books, then through radio transmissions, then through television transmissions, then through computers, through apps. To And by and large, I would say that these are wonderful technologies that connect us in different ways and open up incredible realms of possibility for us to collaborate, to learn, to interact, to know the world that we live in better. And we did learn a lot more about the world. We were much more informed about things going on that we never would have known about. And we were entertained by it, and we are entertained by it. But the people controlling the networks from the beginning seemed to have a framework they envisioned in which they maintain control over the streams of information, much as one would control a river with a dike or a dam. And as these networks began to consolidate and acquire more and more networks and become these syndicated broadcast empires, they discovered that they had tremendous power to shape Entire nations and cultures' narratives because they had the power to direct the flow of this information at will. And it can be argued with great gusto and validity that yellow journalism, for example, tabloid journalism, this capitalization on the right to freedom of speech, and that being used as an excuse to create news that didn't exist, became a thing. And then it went from creating stories that don't exist to creating stories that don't exist to achieve a particular outcome. That might simply be to get you to buy something, but it might be to get you to want to go to war. It might be to get you to make decisions that are to your own detriment, but are beneficial to those controlling these networks. And the agenda of the people controlling these networks comes into question these days. Because if you have these international conglomerates where they own all the media, if you could fit around a single boardroom table everyone who can control basically all of the mainstream media, Well, a small group of individuals has that very same power to broadcast whatever information they choose. They control that flow of information like water, and they build the pipes to decide where it goes, who gets what information, how much information is allowed to flow, and just as importantly, what information is not allowed to go in those pipes. And so that allowed them a power to sift through the news and then solidify specified narratives and reinforce them over time to the point the public, being inundated with the consistent repetition of the same information, came to adopt that as true, regardless of whether it really was. One of the most obvious examples is Iraq and Afghanistan. Countless deaths, untold fortunes spent um, at our expense. All these resources and attention and everything that should have been directed toward our country's internal affairs was instead directed toward these overseas expansions of, I guess, influence and power And most likely in service to some broader global agenda of which we are not privy. And over my lifetime, I've seen the impact of that media enforce its will upon the world and manipulate the countries in terrible ways. Another of the most prescient examples I can think of would be the whole Russiagate scandal. For what, four years, five years the media told us that the president, his, his authority was to be questioned because he was helped into office by a foreign adversary. Vladimir Putin helped Trump get elected, and it was because he was able to help brainwash all these stupid people in the middle of the country into voting for who they deemed a racist, misogynistic, insert negative description. And they created this negative image of the man before he even got into office. And they colluded directly with, for example, Hillary Clinton's campaign to defame him the entire time. And meanwhile, Hillary Clinton is hiring ex-British spies to concoct these ridiculous stories about there being this connection between Trump's campaign and Russia so that they could get FISA warrants approved while Obama was president, allowing them to spy on Trump's campaign. And that sounds like a crazy conspiracy theory, and it was regarded as such for years. And this, I found out through QAnon, of all places, right? So yeah, there might have been a ton of crazy disinformation, whatever stuff on there. But the fact remains, uh, these guys were also talking about some true shit going on. Because that really happened. They got a FISA warrant, which... We won't make the episode about this. Maybe we need to revisit this topic because it's a huge topic and it's very important. But the the gist of it is, there's a special warrant that you can get to spy on foreign adversaries, right? People you think uh, pose a threat to the country, and people that they collaborate with. So you can draw a line between someone and say this person is a suspected terrorist, for example. And he called this person. So now we can listen to this person's calls too. And they draw a web of people that are in some way connected to the target, who was in this case, I believe, actually a foreign intelligence agent, right? A British guy or whatever. Like, it's very, very shady. Don't worry about all the details. All you need to know is Clinton was spying on Trump during the campaign and the media was colluding with her campaign to defame Trump the man, and call into question his legitimacy as a leader the entire time he was president. Now, fast forward to when Joe Biden is elected president, any talk about his election being in any way illegitimate was immediately met by iron-fisted censorship, right? In these mainstream, as we might call it, uh, tech companies, right? And YouTube and Facebook, and Twitter, these big players, these people that are kind of the the equivalent of the networks for the new era, right? They're really getting strict with what you can talk about. And it feels a lot more like China than I remember. Because I actually lived there for a year, believe it or not. I'm proud to say I was probably one of the first Americans to get these fucking crazy viruses they made. I mean... Uh, they, uh, they are, they, they're the bats. They are the, I mean, the bats made them, not the people. <laughs> I'm sorry. I, well, I kid, I would never allege that a biolab that was making coronaviruses might have made it at this, you know, place they make coronaviruses. I would never assume that because I know that's not true Be- because the media told me and the media knows. Because the media, um, how's the media know again? Do some digging. You might be surprised what you find. So for Trump, for years, they were allowed to call into question the legitimacy of his presidency. But as soon as Biden's elected, mum's the word, baby. Nobody's saying shit about any potential scandals behind his campaign. So just think about that for a minute. That's the power the media has. To shape the public perception of reality. And that's just a few instances. Who knows how many others there are. Now we have to apply a lens of, I don't want to say cynicism, but, you know, prudent discretion when consuming media from these sources. Right now, they're trying to beat the war drum for World War III. You know, they're, they're trying to amp up this idea that there's a logical reason for the United States of America to intervene with whatever's going on in Ukraine uh, between Russia and NATO. And, you know, I, we'll get into that maybe in another episode, too. But the fact remains, that's got nothing to do with us, right, directly in our lives. There's no clear correlation between what's going on in Russia and with NATO and what's going on in here. What's far more relevant to us is what's going on in Canada right now. And it's my contention that part of the reason we're seeing all this Russia coverage is it might be a distraction. It might be to keep our minds off of what's going on to our north because there is a great fear among the elites and the rulers of my country that that movement can spread here. And it most likely will. And it most likely needs to. So we're going to talk a lot about Canada today. We're going to be talking all about Canada. There's going to be almost like uh, you're going to learn some shit. And maybe you'll laugh a little too. And maybe you'll feel what I feel for these Canadian heroes. I would call them heroes. I'm going to go ahead and say it. And I'm really proud of you guys. And I'm really thankful that you had the courage to stand up for what you believed in. And even if I disagreed with you, I'd still respect that. But I do agree with you in full. These laws they're trying to pass and are passing or did pass are fucking crazy. They're telling you, look, I'm going to get into it. I don't. I Trust me, I'm going to get into it. But boy, oh boy, I really respect you a lot, everyone involved. And I think it's so cool that any of us can actually be part of this in some way. We can donate money, even if they fucking steal it and freeze it. Guess what? You got caught with your hand in the cookie jar, bad guys. Right? You just showed your true colors. You just showed you're afraid. You are so fucking afraid of these people. You really want them to go home, don't you? You really, really want everyone to go home now, don't you? Yeah. You're going to come after their personal bank accounts now. You're going to take away their livelihoods, their licenses. You're going to charge them with crimes. You're going to throw the book at them. Jeez Louises, man. All right, but, anyways, listen, I feel like something I want to just preface this episode with is to say I get passionate about this, but I really do believe that love is the answer to these problems. So, what's going on in Canada? We're going to listen to a few clips of people talking about it in just a second, but A brief summary. There's a lot of truckers in Canada who are pissed off. They're pissed off because the government of Canada is enacting new rules that force them all to get vaccinated. Let's read the actual text of the law. So I'm going to go to Canada.ca and I'm going to read a statement issued January 13th in Ottawa, Ontario. Today, I'm not, I'm not going to try to do a Canadian accent. If I do, later, it's it's to make fun of Justin Trudeau and his goons. And it's not going to be a good Canadian accent. So I'm going to read this in my American accent. But you can imagine it, how they'd say it. Today, the Minister of Health, the Honorable Jean-Yves Duclos, the Minister of Transport, the Honorable Omar al And the Minister of Public Safety, the Honorable Marco Mendicino, issued the following statement. A lot of honorable guys here. On November 19th, 2021, we announced that as of January 15th, 2022, certain categories of travelers who are currently exempt from entry requirements will only be allowed to enter the country if they are fully vaccinated, with one of the vaccines approved for entry to Canada. These groups include several essential service providers, including truck drivers. I'm going to skip ahead a little bit. A Canadian truck driver who is not fully vaccinated can't be denied entry to Canada. That's nice. But, moving ahead a little, unvaccinated Canadian truck drivers entering Canada will need to meet requirements for pre-entry, arrival, and Day 8 testing, as well as quarantine requirements. The final decision regarding entry and quarantine is made by a government representative at the port of entry based on the information presented to them at the time. Any individual who is symptomatic upon arrival to Canada will be directed to the Public Health Agency of Canada, and blah blah blah, and they're going to be forced to isolate... As of January 15, 2022, unvaccinated or partially vaccinated foreign national truck drivers coming to Canada from the U.S. by land will be directed back to the United States. To qualify as a fully vaccinated traveler and enter Canada, foreign national truck drivers must have received at least two doses of a vaccine accepted for travel, a mix of two accepted vaccines, or at least one dose of the Johnson, Johnson and Johnson vaccine. It says Janssen like, I don't know, it's some weird French uh, Johnson, Johnson, too many Johnsons. Uh, They have received their second dose at least 14 days before they enter Canada. And they must have submitted all required COVID-19 information to arrive can, which is, I guess, a website. Let's click it. You must use ArriveCAN to provide mandatory travel information before and after your entry to Canada. It only takes a few minutes to help keep each other safe. It says. Okay, so I guess that's like an app that you have to download. And <laughs> here, it, yeah, here it says ArriveCAN is mandatory and free. I don't know what that exclamation mark is supposed to mean. Is the exclamation mark for the mandatory or for the free? If it's for the free, I understand they're enthusiastic. If it's for the mandatory, it's it's mandatory and free. So be cautious if third party fraudulent web pages, blah blah blah. Okay. So in other words, these new rules say if you are an American who hasn't been vaccinated, you can't come in. And if you're a Canadian truck driver that hasn't been vaccinated, We're going to make you do stuff before you get here and then after you get here and then a week after you get here and we're going to make you use this app. And it's going to be like, you know, reporting into Papa government because you're one of the few that didn't want to get vaccinated. So now here's all these extra rules for you. When they pass these rules, which to be clear, were not in effect during the pandemic. Now that the pandemic is winding down and all these restrictions are being lifted, they're enacting more restrictions on these truck drivers who've been the people keeping the country going, keeping the logistical chain alive. The whole time they were, you know, celebrated as heroes who were taking care of the country and blah, blah, blah. And now they're enacting new rules. It doesn't make sense. It just doesn't make sense why this is in any way necessary to keep canada safe regardless of how you feel about the vaccines right because i know it's a very touchy subject a lot of people believe in the vaccines as if it's a faith right and a lot of people don't believe in the vaccines because frankly they don't work right they don't stop people from getting the virus they don't stop people from spreading the virus they might have side effects. They're pretending it's, there's none ever. But, you know, there are side effects from any vaccine, I'm sure. And for a lot of people, I'm sure the reason they don't want to get vaccinated is they just say, well, I don't want to get a shot that I don't know what the side effects could be. I don't know if there could be long-term side effects because it's new to protect me from something that is not a threat to me because I've already had this virus and I'm okay and I have natural immunity. And or I know if I get this virus or get it again, there's a 99% plus chance I'll survive it. So I would rather take those odds. I would rather risk getting this virus and naturally defeating it than letting you inject this stuff into me that may or may not help or work and may or may not be of a justifiable benefit to me for me to want to get this shot. And another reason I expect some of these people who don't want to get vaccinated don't want to get vaccinated is they don't like the way the government is trying to force them to do it. So on principle, they're saying, I'm not going to go with this because I don't like the precedent this sets. I don't like that we're allowing there to be new rules that say the government's allowed to coerce me into getting medical procedures done, whether I want to or not. And if I do not, they're going to label me an anti vaxxer They're going, which is, is that even like a real word? It sounds like slang, but I hear all the world leaders saying it, all the people on the news saying it. anti vaxxer That's crazy. I I don't not believe that vaccines could work. I don't say no one should ever get a vaccine. I'm not a fundamentalist. Non-believer in vaccines. I'm just a guy saying mm, it's not for me this one. And to be labeled something defamatory as a result of that personal decision is petty, cruel, and unjustified. And even more egregiously, to create narratives that suggest my decision not to participate in this particular vaccination is somehow a threat to the rest of society is crazy. Because if the vaccines work, it doesn't matter whether or not I've been vaccinated, you're protected and I'm maybe not, right? That's the risk I'm taking. If the vaccines don't work, well, why are you blaming me if you get sick? Because you could have got it from someone else who was vaccinated too. So to me, it's just patently absurd that we would go to such extremes to try to coerce people into getting this shot. And it makes me wonder if there is some broader goal to making this a precedent. Is it perhaps a long-term plan to establish this norm of the government mandating certain procedures and there being some end result that's not desirable, okay? I'm not saying they're injecting nanobots into my bloodstream, that they're gonna control with 5G or something. But maybe! (laughs) You know? Uh, You know, these guys have done some fucked up things in the past, right? These, These globalists, elites, whatever. And these people who are creating these vaccines are completely shielded from legal liability. They're corporations that have a history of deceiving the public and getting them addicted to drugs and doing some bad fucking things. So I'm sorry, but I don't trust those people and I'm not going to let them give me a shot I don't want. And so if that makes me an anti-vaxxer, okay, fine. But I think a lot of people feel something like what I feel. And they have their own personal reasons that may include what I've just said and may be completely different reasons, like that it poses a particular risk to them because of their specific medical circumstances. Or for example, they're a very young child and their parents are like, I don't want to put it in my little kid because I know this virus won't kill them, but I don't know what could happen with this vaccine, right? Completely reasonable for a parent to make that choice for their children. It is not reasonable for the government to make that choice for their children. But I don't want this to be all about that. Let's hear more about what's going on with this law that affects the truckers and affects Canada and affects the world, really, because these are globalist policies that are being implemented across the board and different countries are responding to them in different ways. The weird part about this story is most of the truckers already are vaccinated they say upwards of 90% of these truckers are vaccinated. So they're really going after 10% of people who have chosen not to get vaccinated. So this law is intended to coerce Canadian truck drivers into getting a vaccine if they've been too stubborn to get it by now, right? That's the idea. As to why they waited a year to put it into effect, I don't understand that. But that's what it is. Now, the government in Canada was surprised to see people were very pissed off about this. Truck drivers started protesting. They started gathering in Ontario and they started protesting peacefully, by the way, as we will discuss. In response to the protests, Prime Minister Justin Trudeau decided to ignore them. Well, he didn't ignore them. He insulted them. The protests began about just this law, to my understanding, but they expanded to be about all these government mandates that a lot of Canadians and a lot of people around the world feel are unnecessary, not backed by evidence. And the government seems to be getting, in all these countries, the governments seem to be getting very comfortable forcing people to do things and kind of capitalizing on this paranoia and this fear everyone has of this virus and viruses in general. So they're clinging on to these powers, and in the case of Canada, they're actually expanding these powers despite the virus being on its way out, seemingly. Now, how did Justin Trudeau, the Prime Minister of Canada, And I intentionally pronounce his name weird because I think of him as a true doe. A deer. A female deer. Doe. A deer. A female deer. That's what a doe is. He's a female deer because he's a coward and he freezes. It, It doesn't make any sense how he responds to an emergency. Just like a deer. Deer in headlights. True doe. So true doe. A deer. What's he do in response to these protesters? Does he hold a meeting with the organizers? Does he discuss their concerns? Does he issue, you know, any kind of statement that we're interested in hearing what you have to say? We're going to try to address your concerns. Maybe we're going to take another look at this law. We're going to, you know, whatever. No, he does not. He... Exp- you'll let's hear the clip here so Trudeau a deer, a female deer. decides to insult these people to dismiss them and to create the impression for the media they're misogynist they're racist they're a fringe minority they're right wingers they're anti-vaxxers they're you know you threw all these you know, Bad words at them and all these derogatory terms. And that just incensed the truck drivers further. And it incensed a lot of people who aren't truck drivers. And this thing expanded into one of the biggest protests I've ever seen, definitely in the West, where we're talking thousands and thousands and thousands of Canadians across the whole country now are gathering and protesting in different cities and along the streets. And there's been drama concerning bridges being blocked and different key points of entry and exit into the country being, you know, blocked. That's why they're calling it a blockade, right? As if, you know, there's an occupying military force here, but really it's just citizens who parked somewhere. So they're calling it a blockade, but it's not. And these key points... These bridges, these places that they were insisting, you know, we really need to clear people out of here. To my understanding, the protesters left peacefully. They decided to leave. There was concern about them honking their horns too much. From what I hear, they cut down on that big time. So, all this. Bullshit about, you know, they're causing this incredible disruption to all the peaceful Canadians across the country, these insurrectionists. It's horseshit. So we've got Trudeau deciding to insult these people, make fun of them, and then he takes it a step further. When it's clear that the people aren't leaving, he gets afraid. And what's he do? He starts to freeze funds coming in. Through judicial actions or whatever, however they justify it, they froze funds that were meant to be donated to the truckers from people across the world. And I'm one of these people that donated, right? They didn't give my money to the truckers. That was GoFundMe. Then there was another one called Give, Send, Go. So people who still wanted to donate moved over there and made donations there. And when I first tried, the website was, wasn't was working because so many people were going there, right? So millions of dollars were raised both times, I think close to $10 million, And Give, Send, Go was also frozen. They wouldn't give the money to the truckers. And not only did they freeze the funds and prevent them from going to their intended recipients, they then doxed the people who had donated. Well, they said that some, you know, rogue hacker broke in or whatever and and distributed these names of all these people who had donated and those lists found their way to the CDC, which is, is it CDC? CBC, Canadian Bullshit Central, I think it stands for. Uh, or, oh, I'm being told it's Broadcast Corporation, Canadian Broadcast Corporation, which is... I believe, funded by the government. So it is said to be, at this point, a propaganda outlet for the government. I don't know enough about CBC to determine that, but people in Canada probably do. So CBC is said to have started contacting people who had donated and asking them why they donated. And to me, that's really sinister. Because... That's supposed to be a private donation. That's supposed to be uh, in America at least they also consider money a a form of speech, right? That's the way it's intended to be interpreted like the Citizens United stuff like that you're allowed to support political causes without disclosing your identity. That's kind of complicated. You're doing it through different sort of backdoor ways but the point is that These people wanted to donate to a cause they believed in. And not only was the money that they donated not given to the cause, the government or, well, let's not call them government. They're still technically their own media organization or whatever. The CBC is calling people and asking them, hey, why did you donate this money? By the way, we have a list of everyone who donated money. And the implication there is very clear. The implication is, hey, we got our eyes on you. We're watching everyone who donated. I'm probably being watched, right? We're watching everybody who donated. Just letting you know. We got our eye on you. So be careful who you decide to support. People start donating through crypto. They pass new rules about crypto so that they can freeze the crypto. They're doing everything possible to block funding from coming in so that they can starve these people out. This is a siege. What they're doing is they're saying, hey, if these guys aren't working, if they're not getting money from anyone else, eventually they'll be forced to go home because they'll run out of money, they'll run out of food, they'll run out of gas. Let's just wait it out. That's what Trudeau's thinking. But it doesn't work. They don't leave. And to my understanding, just more of them keep coming because the more imposing... These restrictions become, and the more far reaching they become, the more people wake up to the fact that this has really gotten out of hand. So now you have Trudeau.
1: That will bring us back to Doe Oh, oh, oh Doe, a deer, a female deer.
0: Coming out and doing something truly extraordinary. He declares a state of emergency with something that's called the Emergency Powers Act. So now I'm going to go to Canada's official website where they talk about Canada's Emergency Act. Emergencies Act. Here's what it says. Backgrounder. The Emergencies Act, which became law in 1988, is the federal law that can be used by the federal government in the event of a national emergency the Act contains a specific definition of national emergency that makes clear how serious a situation needs to be before the Act can be relied upon. A national emergency is an urgent, temporary, and critical situation that seriously endangers the health and safety of Canadians, or that seriously threatens the ability of the government of Canada to preserve the sovereignty, security, and territorial integrity of Canada. It must be a situation that cannot be effectively dealt with by the provinces and territories or by any other law of Canada. There are four types of emergencies that can be declared under the Emergencies Act. A public welfare emergency, a public order emergency, an international emergency, or a war emergency. The Emergencies Act can be invoked to grant temporary additional and necessary powers to the federal government when provincial, territorial, and federal tools are no longer sufficient to deal effectively with the serious issues being faced, such as the ability to make orders or regulations that are believed on reasonable grounds to be necessary to respond to the issues at hand. Such issues include public health and safety risks, as well as economic issues. For example, when necessary for dealing with a public order emergency, the federal government can issue or adopt temporary orders and regulations, regulating and prohibiting public assemblies, including blockades other than lawful advocacy, protest, or dissent, regulating the use of specified property, including goods to be used with respect to a blockade, designating and securing places where blockades are to be prohibited, example borders, approaches to borders, other critical infrastructure, directing specific persons to render essential services to relieve impacts of blockades on Canada's economy with compensation, authorizing or directing specified financial institutions to render essential services to relieve the impact of blockades, including by regulating and prohibiting the use of property to fund or support the blockades, measures with respect to the authorizing of the Royal Canadian mounted police to enforce municipal and provincial laws by means of incorporation by reference and the imposition of fines or imprisonment for contravening on any of the measures declared under this public order emergency. It's interesting this law even exists because it doesn't seem necessary to me. And it almost seems as if they just wanted to have some legal justification in their back pocket to crush dissent someday. And something that stood out to me while I was reading that was the continual usage of the term blockade, right? When you think of a blockade, you you probably think of like ships blocking a harbor, you know, like the British invaded and, and they're, they're lining our coastline and not letting us do trade, right? It's, it's rare to think of that term blockade ...as something that could happen with your own country, right? Like, within your own country. I mean, a a real blockade, I would say, is sanctions. Like, that they've been putting on Russia all these years. That's a blockade, because you're saying nothing goes in or out. No trade. And you're essentially starving the people. In modern times, maybe they're not literally starving... ...but you're starving them of economic opportunity... And you're using it as leverage to force the leaders of the countries to bend to your will. And I know that's not necessarily popular to say, or maybe you've never even heard it, uh, sanctions compared to a siege. But that's how I would consider it. You know, I would think of it as uh, a blockade, right? What I don't consider a blockade is people protesting, especially when those people are willing to move. Right? If you ask them politely, which it seems like they just moved from some of the places. But why do they keep calling it an illegal blockade? Well, now it makes sense after we've read that law, right? It makes sense that they continually employ that terminology because they know the only way they can maybe justify these extreme actions is to try to fit what they're saying with the language of the law. And if you pay close attention, you can kind of spot this, right? When people are using a term that seems a little weird or focusing on a detail that seems a little weird in the media, and it's consistently that way across networks, maybe take a look at it and and see if there's some legal reason they're using that terminology. An example that comes to mind, very recent example, is what was that guy's name? um, Rittenhouse, Kyle, I think Kyle Rittenhouse. I didn't follow it really closely, but the story was that this guy, uh, man, I don't want to, I don't want to, this deserves its own episode probably too, but they kept saying that he went across state lines. That was in like every news story, right? This guy went across state lines. And if I remember correctly, the media was saying or implying that the people shot, were protesters, which creates the impression that this is a white guy who drove to a neighboring state so he could shoot protesters and take the law into his own hands. Uh, Maybe he took the law into his own hands in a way, but if you listen to his side of the story, it's very different. So that's just an example of the media wanted to create a story where this guy went across state lines with a weapon, which makes it a federal matter. And that's why they use that language. And if it's a federal matter, now it could be prosecuted in federal courts and and be, I guess, investigated by federal agencies. So they wanted to give the jurisdiction over to the federal government by using that language. And the reason it kind of fell apart, to my understanding, is that he actually obtained the gun in the state that the shooting happened. So he didn't actually cross state lines with the gun. And it might sound like a silly distinction, but it matters in the realm of law. So it's very interesting to me that Trudeau and the other people in, you know, parliament or whatever the hell their government's called over there, (laughs) that they... Keep calling it an illegal blockade when really it's just some pissed off Canadians who would like for you to talk to them about what's going on here and maybe change these rules to something more reasonable. It's not an illegal blockade, but that's what they're calling it. And now it makes sense why. Now I've been following this pretty closely and watching a lot of videos from Canadians who are taking part in the Freedom Convoy. And it's really touching to hear some of their stories and i'd like to play a few clips from let's listen to someone who's in the canadian military who has some thoughts on it
2: good day folks my name is major steven schlodowski i have served canada in the canadian armed forces for 20 plus years i hold a first class honors degree in political science and i have held several army command positions I have an urgent message for all Canadians. For nearly two years, our own elected government officials have been using the bullying tactics of fear, intimidation, coercion, and financial and physical violence against us to gain compliance for certain repeated medical procedures. We tell our children that bullying is wrong. We know it to be so, yet we allow our leaders to do this to us. They have knowingly and repeatedly violated the highest laws of the land in the Canadian Charter of Rights and Freedoms, as well as other signed international human rights agreements. Canadians have been lulled into believing that the same government who suppresses your freedoms in the name of safety will one day just reward you back with your freedoms if you just comply to ever-changing rules and health orders. That, folks, is the very definition of tyranny, not democracy. Humans are inherently free. Kings and queens and government cronies can give you, can't give you your basic human rights. They are naturally yours. They can't be given. They can't be taken. They can only be suppressed. In the Charter of Rights and Freedoms, Queen Elizabeth is recognizing in law our fundamental freedoms. The federal and provincial governments of Canada have chosen through a well-planned and orchestrated set of measures to trick and fool and scare you, the very people who elected them and pay their salaries into complying with the suppression of our basic human rights. They have knowingly betrayed you and me under the lie of safety. This past Remembrance Day, as I stood in front of the military cenotaph in Fredericton to honor my comrades who gave their lives for others' freedom, I overheard the Premier of New Brunswick, Premier Higgs, and our Member of Parliament, Jenica Atwin, tell members of the public how special it was that these brave members of the military gave their lives for their freedom, that same freedom that these very liars and deceivers are actively working right now to suppress. I stood there, a soldier of nearly 21 years, as a senior officer in the Canadian Army, as a veteran of Afghanistan, participating in Op Medusa, the largest combat operation for Canada since the Korean War, where I watched my own brave comrades fight and get injured and die. But I also stood there as a person who hasn't taken the COVID-19 injection. The irony, so even though I serve this country, and it has been an honor to do so, an absolute honor. Like many thousands of Canadians who choose body autonomy and pro-choice, I am unable to share in the same privileges now, like eating at a restaurant, going out in public to an event, or even traveling across provinces to see my child. This is happening to many others. These government traders to freedom are suppressing the rights of the very people they claim to honor, and it made me sick to my stomach. These Canadian governments are now focused on our children. I am calling on the medical community to put an immediate halt on children's injections until the Canadian public can receive the accurate, truthful data from these COVID injection injuries that have already occurred. The Canadian public has a right to be able to make informed medical choices, especially for the little children. To tell them repeatedly it is safe and effective and not give them that choice is a crime and it's also genocide. The media and government must put an immediate halt to all scientific medical censorship and the silencing of health professionals who do not comply with your agenda, as well as hear from injury victims. The Canadian public has a right to hear from those in our communities and families who have been injured by this procedure. I am calling on my military and police comrades, all of you, all of us who have sworn a personal oath to protect our family, our friends and our community, to now stand up and protect your loved ones against this government forced medical tyranny. You chose to serve because you wanted to give back to your community. And instead, the government has turned your love for community and your loyalty against you. And you are now a weapon against the very people you love. Brothers and sisters, you can't be forever for forever changing indiscriminate government measures, which use fear and violence, and also be for your loved ones and for freedom. You have to choose. I'm asking you to choose your family and your community. This is why you serve. And this is your moment to be a hero for your loved ones. They deserve the truth. They deserve to be protected. I am also calling on all Canadians to join in solidarity together. Freedom and love for our community. Freedom to choose who you want to be, where you want to live. What you want to experience and learn, what your spirituality is and what you want to practice, who you want to love, what you want to put in your own bodies is the foundation of our democracy in Canada. We cannot let freedom die with this generation. May God forever bless the free citizens of Canada.
0: Let's listen to someone who is a police officer who has some thoughts on it.
1: Hello, my name is Nick Motichka. I'm a police officer currently with the Calgary Police Service. I've been with Calgary for just a little over 10 years. And prior to that, I was with the RCMP for approximately six years. Um, I just wanted to read something that I wrote this evening. Today was a hard day for me. Something was taken away from me that I can never get back. Watching members of the Ottawa Police Service seize fuel from peaceful protesters took away a long-held belief that I thought to be a lasting truth. And that is that the police are here when push really comes to shove to protect and help people. I will never see my profession in the same light than I did before today. What I saw was the police doing politicians dirty work like hired goons this goes against every reason why i chose this mostly thankless difficult traumatizing career with terrible hours the reason i got into law enforcement was to help people however naive that was it is my honest truth as the years wore on i'll be the first to admit that i got jaded but i never let anything compromise my integrity i always applied the front page of the newspaper test. And that is, would I be okay with whatever I was about to do being on the front page of the paper? Or a news story in your feed for younger viewers? Doing what was right, even when no one was looking, even if it was difficult, was always the right decision. What is happening in Ottawa with the clear political influence on the police to physically exert Political will on peaceful protesters for nothing more than possible political gain is so very wrong on so many levels. I was just following orders is no longer an excuse. It is time to stand up and speak out by refusing to breach your fellow citizens fundamental charter rights. You signed up to help people stand with your fellow Canadians and say enough is enough. There is no doubt that we are all part of history right now. I have one question for you. Which side do you want to be on?
0: Trudeau did not apologize for implying that there's Nazis involved in this and that helping these protesters is helping Nazis, basically. He didn't apologize. He just left like a little pussy. He walked out, he ran away, and he hid. And that's what he's been doing. I encourage anyone who likes the show to subscribe through whatever podcasting medium you listen to the show. And to also... You can also subscribe to my Substack for free where I post articles like the ones I've been reading on the show lately. And I will continue to create content through Substack and this podcast for free. I plan to always make it free. I don't want to do ad reads. We'll see. Maybe someday I'll start doing ads. Uh, I wouldn't be opposed to having uh, links where people could you know, get products I like and get a discount and I get a cut. But I don't think I want to um, interfere with the show through ads. Not that there's anything wrong with that model, but for what I'm trying to do here, especially because this show is directed toward uh, not just a international audience, a global audience, but an interplanetary audience, I don't think that these ads will be relevant to people in other galaxies, in other dimensions, or in other, uh, I don't know, other periods of time. I don't know how it all works, but uh, I think it would kind of solely what I'm trying to do here in a way. So... I plan to keep the show as pure as I can to support myself financially as I do this. All that I will require is, well, I guess the universe to make a way for me, and I believe it will. But part of that universe making a way for me might come down to just a handful of people deciding to support me in a relatively substantial way. So what I will do is I will enable people to make donations directly to me, to the show, to basically everything that I'm doing here, everything I'm creating and will be creating in the future. So to do that, you could go through the website if you're one of those people. And I'm just going to assume that if you are, you know, and you want to donate, you know, ideally rich people. You know, ideally, people who have uh, thousands of dollars that they could donate uh, and and make it simple. I know that if I just had even one or two uh, people who, to them, it's not a lot of money to make me a substantial donation, then, you know, that's enough to sustain my existence on this planet for years. So I'm going to leave that door open where you would be able to make donations to. Uh me to the show through the website, and that website is currently crazytalk.com spelled c r eight z y t a l k dot com i wanted to get a domain for the new show's name, but uh you know that's gonna cost thousands of dollars apparently so Uh, You know, if I could afford it later, I'll do it. But for now, the website's crazytalk.com, C-R-A-T-Z-Y talk.com. I will be accepting crypto transfers. So you can just send it to, uh, you know, scan my QR code like you would for anything else. Uh, You know, punch in the amount you want to send, send it over. That would be awesome. And I will also accept, you know, direct payment through Cash App. If you have Cash App you can uh send it to and all of this will be on the website so crazytalk.com if you want to support the show in some way otherwise just listening uh helps of course and sharing it to anyone that you want or just throw it on your Facebook wall, your Twitter, you know, wherever you you want to share it. Of course, that's that's the best way for the show to spread word of mouth. So thank you very much for Uh, My new listeners, new readers, and I look forward to continuing to create content for you. And in closing, some final thoughts for the truckers, some final inspiration in the form of a terrible song. Here you go. Keep trucking, keep trucking. The CBC been fucking up the story. That your character's in. You're not terrorists, you're not threats, you're not any illegal occupation, you're just people from a nation tired of being treated like children. You wanna be free. To be the person you choose to be, and they treat you like you're some kind of fool, like you're some kind of crazy criminal, trying to steal the show, a couple crazy, 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 bad, bad men. And ladies. And children. And bouncy castles. I I heard something about. Bouncy castles. Canada is in a state of an emergency. Due to. Bouncy castles. Filled with. Jubilatious children. Empowered by. A feeling of freedom. And a feeling of relief. That they don't have to live. In a world where. They're going to wear masks their whole lives and hide their pretty smiles. Because we're not afraid of a virus. We're we're talking about, these are people who live in Canada. Don't you realize that about people from Canada, and people who are in Canada, especially Canadians in Canada, are in Canada. That is a land with bears. That is a land with places no one goes. Perhaps not even the Sasquatch. That is a very, very, very dangerous land. Ice storms. All kinds of stuff I ain't never even heard of, never even imagined. Boy, oh boy, I wouldn't go up there. It's way too scary. But you mean to tell me those people, those proud folk, who survive in those conditions, and are descended from the breed of people who could survive in even worse conditions, are gonna be scared of a little coffee cough cough? Come on now, that ain't worth trading all the kids smiles for. Now let's let's just cheer on up and get off on these big rigs and honk these horns. Here we go, keep truckin', keep truckin'. Though your situation is suckin', just keep truckin', keep truckin' right along. It's the freedom song, truckin', truckin'. Like the man says one more time. Okay, clear out of here, folks. We got to clear this clear illegal blockade and get your masks on. Hey, where's your papers? You got your vaccine passport? Where's your passports? Oh, all your big belts are frozen But oh, Good luck. Good luck getting home. We're taking your gas, too. Have a good night.